0: Well, this is a very different sermon for me. Instead of speaking to a sanctuary filled with people from Orchard Community Church, I'm sitting in my office and I'm speaking to a voice recorder. Right now, in our world, in our culture, in our county, the COVID-19 virus is spreading quickly and things are changing rapidly. As of this past Saturday morning, we were still planning on having A church gathering on Sunday. We wanted to have a worship service. We had some methods we were going to put in place that we thought would fight the spread of this virus. But then by 1130 on Saturday morning, the government issued restrictions on gatherings. By early afternoon, the elders realized we needed to make the difficult decision to cancel all worship services for the foreseeable future. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what the next few weeks hold. The elders are working hard right now to come up with answers to those things. We're working on plans to reach out to you and to those in our area to coordinate volunteers to help those in need. We want to bring the hope of the gospel to this difficult situation. But in the meantime, I know a lot of you are struggling. You're you're stuck at home. Restaurants, malls, many other businesses are shutting down. Today, I heard that as many as 75% of the schools in the United States are closed, some of them for the rest of the year. What a strange time. Everyone is impacted by this in some way. Some people are very frustrated, feeling like it's it's just all overblown. Some people are scared. Lots of people are scared. Especially those who have high-risk conditions with their health. They're worried about getting sick. Many are going to experience and are rightly worried about financial impacts. And then, of course, there are those that are worried about running out of toilet paper. Several months ago, I chose to preach through 1 Peter. I discussed this with the elders and we talked about the changes in our culture and the difficulty of living out our faith in a changing world. And we wanted this sermon series to be an encouragement for us, but also a challenge to stay strong in our faith during times of great upheaval. As I prepared to preach the text that I was going to preach this past Sunday, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, I was thinking about the applications of to us living as Christians in a world that doesn't accept what we believe. This is the common theme throughout 1 Peter. But then after Saturday and all the changes that have taken place since with the spread of this virus in the world, with the social separation that's taking place to combat the spread of the disease, and with all the fear that comes from the upheaval of so much that we consider normal— I believe this passage is uniquely relevant to this immediate and very difficult situation. The passage I am going to preach on is 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, which says very simply, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And he starts with this idea of our adversary or our enemy. We need to understand who he's talking about in this passage. Who is this enemy? He calls him your enemy, the devil. The, the name devil means accuser or slanderer sometimes he's also known as satan throughout scripture which means adversary or one who opposes we first see him in the garden of eden where he appears as the servant or the serpent rather tempting adam and eve to eat the forbidden fruit saying they would be like god he's also a deceiver we see him in the book of job and here we, we see that through all the difficulties that Job goes through and that the devil uses to tempt him, we also see that the devil must submit to God. The devil can do nothing except what God allows. Now, there's an interesting point that Peter's making here. Because at the beginning of this passage, he says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. But at the end, in verse 9, he says, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So he is talking about the enemy, the devil, and the difficulty he's bringing, and he's equating that with the suffering that Peter's recipients are going through. And throughout the rest of this, level, or this letter, we have seen that the sufferings they're going through are because of changes in their culture, their society, that culture is turning against Christianity, questioning them, and they are suffering. They're experiencing the loss of family, the loss of friendships. They are becoming social outcasts in their own community because of their faith. And here at the end of the letter, the point that Peter is making is that, yes, there are there's a social aspect to their suffering. There might even be a political aspect or a physical aspect to their suffering. But he is also making the point there is a spiritual component behind their suffering. There's a spiritual battle going on. The Apostle Paul sees the same thing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have to understand that there are spiritual components to the things we go through. Now, we need to keep this in an appropriate balance, and C.S. Lewis has a wonderful quote in his introduction to the screw Screw Tape Letters. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. And his point is that we can go to these two extremes. One is, I don't think there's any spiritual evil out there. There is no devil. I don't believe in him. And the devil loves that. He, he loves for us to just ignore him because then he can have his way in the world. And the other extreme is, is to give him way too much credit. That everything that we do in our lives is, oh, the devil made me do it. Or it's always a demon. And we give him way too much credit. The point is we can't ignore the truth that there is a devil and that there are spiritual forces at work. We also must be careful not to go to the other extreme and blame everything on him or or give him way more credit than he deserves. But Peter is calling us to attention. There is an enemy, the devil, and he describes him as a lion who's doing two things. In this passage, he is roaring and he is looking for someone to devour. I didn't think much of uh, of this when I first read it. Lions roar. That's what they do. But then as I did a little background study, since I'm not much of a naturalist myself, it turns out lions don't really roar when they are hunting. They silently stalk. The picture that Peter's giving here is not a lion who is trying to sneak up on you and strike at you or take you when you're not looking. This is a lion that wants you to know he's there. He is out there roaring. You hear him nearby and your heart starts racing. This is a lion who is causing fear. Now, certainly, please understand, there is the real threat of the lion wanting to devour, but there's also the threat of the fear that is caused by the roaring. And then he says he's looking for someone who devours. And the word there, devour, means completely overcome or completely swallowed or consumed. It's used of Pharaoh's army drowning in the Red Sea in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. Completely consumed. The point is the totality of it, completely devoured, completely overcome with fear, completely giving in to doubts and anxiety. Friends, we've got a roaring lion in our world right now. This virus is spreading. All you have to do is turn on the TV, go on the internet, and you are going to see the constant updates and news stories about this difficult situation. And it is a real threat people are getting sick. We are forced to take extreme measures of isolation. We're not even able right now to gather together as a church. And along with that very real threat is the threat of the fear itself. We will be consumed whether we are devoured by the fear of the lion or by the lion itself. And Peter is so helpful here because he knows the people he is writing to are fearful and that they are experiencing real difficulty. So he tells them and he tells us how to respond. So let's look at what our response should be. He starts in verse 8. He says, be alert and of sober mind. We can take these together. Alert and sober minded mean that we are not to be lazy But rather, we are to be aware, actively alert. We are to think carefully and clearly. I think along with this is an idea of not being forgetful. We need to consciously remember certain truths. See, throughout the Old Testament, we see that God's people fell into great sin when they forgot who he was, forgot what he had done, or forgot what he had commanded. And he's constantly telling them, remember. We must be people who actively remember who we are in Christ. We must have an active faith, not a lazy faith. In that same passage I quoted earlier where Paul said we struggle against spiritual forces in Ephesians chapter 6, it's in that same part where he says, put on the full armor of God. And he goes on to describe each part of that armor, which are the essential components of our identity in Jesus Christ. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He's saying you want to be ready for these attacks? You want to be equipped and prepared? Focus on what Christ has done for you. And that's our our first response, alert and sober-minded. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 9, he says, We are to resist him, the devil, And how are we to do that? Resist him standing firm in the faith. Peter's not telling us two different things here. He's not saying resist the devil and stand firm. He's telling us one thing. Resist the devil by standing firm in your faith. He's explaining that the resisting is done by standing firm in our faith. Imagine a bully shouting at a small child on the playground and taunting him, trying to get him to fight him. But the small child doesn't move into the fight, nor does he run away. Instead, he goes and he stands next to another child. Now, the bully might take this as a sign of weakness. Child's too scared to come in and fight. Until someone leans in and whispers in the bully's ear that the towering and muscular individual standing next to his victim, victim is his victim's best friend. We don't need to fight the devil, We just need to draw near and to trust in our stronger Savior. Go back. During this time of upheaval, go back and read chapters 1 and 2, where Peter tells all who trust in Christ, we are chosen by God. We have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, which is kept in heaven for us. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And then in chapter 2, 9 through 10, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, in the face of a roaring lion, Under the threat of being devoured by this situation or by the fear of the current situation, Peter says to his readers back then and to us today, stand firm in your trust in Jesus Christ. So our response is to be alert and of sober mind. And we are to stand firm in our faith and resist this enemy that wants to devour us. And finally... At the end of the passage, Peter gives us some encouragement. At the end of verse 9, he says, Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, this seems like an odd form of encouragement at first. But remember, part of the fear caused by roaring lions. Part of fear is the deception that we are all alone and no one else is going through or can possibly understand what we are going through. Peter is crushing that lie with the truth that many have been through suffering, are going through suffering. And the corresponding truth I think that is implied through all of it is God has held them up and is holding them up as well. God understands suffering, sickness, fear, and loss. He has sustained his people through great difficulty before, and he is very good at it. Right now, around the world, people are coming face to face with the realization that they are not nearly as in control of their lives as they thought. And right now, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are struggling to find ways to encourage and uphold one another, even though they might not be able to gather together in corporate worship. But here's the promise of the gospel the church will continue. In fact, if history is any indication, the church will thrive during these difficult times. Be encouraged. You are not alone. And the one who is sustaining others is able to sustain you. The roaring lion right now in our lives, in our culture, that roaring lion wants us to be or wants him to be our highest and greatest priority. He is trying to be our all-consuming thought, our soul-crushing weight. But we know better. We are alert and of sober mind. We will remind ourselves that the Son of God gave his life for us. We will remind ourselves that we are chosen to be God's children. We have a guaranteed future with him. We can look at suffering and difficulty in this world with compassion, certainly, but also without fear. Because greater, we read in 1 John 4:4, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We have a greater Savior. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is our promise. We are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross in our place. And there is no roaring lion throughout all of history that can ever take that away. But Paul doesn't stop there in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, listen to this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that. God knew that those receiving Peter's letter would be going through trials and suffering, and he already had their response planned in advance. He knew all about the virus that we are facing today, and he has already planned our good works. We do not need to shrink back in fear as the lion roars. Instead, we draw near to Christ, And then we step out in faith to be used by him for his glory during this time because others are listening to roaring lions and it is time for our words and our actions to point them to the truth of Jesus Christ. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Father, I lift up all who are listening to this. Whether they're listening to it in, in the current context of this this virus that's spreading, or maybe they're listening to it on the internet years later with some roaring lion in their own life. And God, I know that many that are facing the struggles of our contemporary world and this virus and and all this social distancing, many of those have their own personal struggles and roaring lions in their own life as well. And it's just struggle compounded by struggle. And God, it's so tempting to give up. It's so tempting to be devoured by the fear and the anxiety that comes along with this. But Father, may we know the truth of Christ, trust the truth of Christ, standing firm in our faith so that we could be a beacon and a light to this world that is struggling, that so desperately needs the hope of a Savior right now. And so I pray for each person listening to this. Give us Creativity on how to respond and to live out our faith during this time. Sustain us and help us to have a strong anchor in the gospel of Jesus Christ, reminding ourselves. Help us to find unique and creative ways to encourage and remind our brothers and sisters in Christ. Stand firm, know who you are in Christ. And by so doing, may we resist the roaring lion that threatens to overwhelm us and devour us with fear right now. For God, our Savior, is greater. And for that, we give you all the praise and glory. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.